Hi, I'm John. And I'm Julie. We're the hosts of the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Every other week, we're talking with inspiring thought leaders to hear their best ideas for how you can transform your relationships with your clients. Let's go. Hey, Julie. Today, we're going to talk about wisdom. What do you think is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? John, I would have to say the best piece of advice that I've received in my life is from my parents many years ago. And they said, Julie, don't wish your life away. And I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be 16 and then 18 and then 21 and 25. All of these, in my mind, these very key milestones. And all I wanted to do was get to that age. And they just said, it will go fast enough. Enjoy living in the experience. Don't constantly be looking so far ahead. And and I took that advice to heart and boy, were they right. Those years should certainly fly by. How about you, John? What's a, what's a great piece of advice that you've received? So I had a, a business mentor, uh, a guy I still look up to to this day, uh, who once told me, John, change is inevitable. You are not. In other words, you need to be flexible. You need to look for the next opportunity. You can't restrict yourself to kind of a one-track thought about how your career is going to go or how you're going to deal with situations. Life life throws a lot of curveballs at you. And unless you can be a little bit flexible and change with the times, uh, you can find yourself on the outside looking in. I thought that was very helpful for me. Phenomenal advice, especially given what we've all just lived through in the world. So I love that. Well, today, John, we are very fortunate to have Robert Laura here with us. And I'm so excited to hear some of his wisdom and and ideas as we uh, uh, chat today. But Robert is a pioneer in the psychology and social science of retirement plans. He's a three-time best-selling author, nationally syndicated columnist for Forbes and Financial Advisor Magazine, and a very well-recognized presenter at retirement conferences across the country. As a former social worker turned money manager, author, and speaker, his work has reached millions of people through seven books, 12 guides, and over 800 articles. You heard me correctly, 800. He frequently appears in major business media outlets, such as the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, CNBC, Market Watch, The New York Times, and more. Robert, welcome to our podcast today. We're delighted to have you here. Thanks, Julie and John. Appreciate it. Look forward to uh, spending some time with you guys. Absolutely. Well, Robert, I've followed you for some time, and I, I'm particularly intrigued about uh, kind of this topic of wisdom. But but first, tell can you describe for me a little bit about why today's vision of retirement causes challenges for some people, uh, not everyone, but certainly some segment of society? Yeah, I think a lot of people approach retirement with this idea that a life of leisure is going to be good or fun. But, you know, how many times can you, you know, golf or walk on the beach or do these other things? And I think the other thing is, as people are turning traditional retirement age, whether that's 62, 65 or 70, the gas tank isn't empty. It's still more than half full and they don't know what to do. They don't want to just sit around and kind of leisurely bide their time. They want purpose. They want direction. They want, you know, to have an impact on other people's lives. And I'm not talking about anything shocking or amazing, but they just want to do little things. They want to reinvent themselves. They want to stay relevant and stay engaged. 
And that comes with a different set of rules, behaviors, and directions than just kind of thrown back and kind of sitting in the rocking chair until your number's called. So a lot has changed. People are getting here wanting more. And the hard part is they don't know really how to do it um, because they didn't have a lot of role models. You know, previous generations just kind of did retire, just kind of do simple things, but that's changed a lot. Robert, you mentioned things like biking, beach walks, golfing. I always add sailboats in there. It seems like sailboats are always very uh, prevalent in the image for retirement. But where where did that vision initially come from? Well, I think the whole idea of the the haves and the have-nots, that once you had enough money not to work, you just lived this life of leisure. And I think the other thing, if you look back in 1935, when Social Security was established, average life expectancy was 61.8. So you really weren't supposed to get there. Um, and if you really look at why retirement was created, it was to take older people out of the workforce. Now, again, 20, 30 years ago, people were working physically demanding jobs, 50 or 60 hours a week, and they've probably been working since they were 12. So they get to 62 or 65 and they're done. They, they need to be out of the workforce. You fast forward to today and we've increased life expectancy by 30%. Following those same rules, someone wouldn't be eligible for you know, social security until they're age 80 now. And so what's happening is people are turning again, 62 or 65, they wanna be more and do more. And they've got now 30 years of stuff to do, not just maybe five or 10. And so. Previously, when they had shorter time span, you know, lifespans, leisure was more of a focus. Now, when you have 20 or 30 years, they want it to be much more than just leisure. You know, Robert, I wanted to comment. You mentioned the beach walking or the chair rocking, right? I had a neighbor. Uh, this gentleman ran his own business until he was well into his 80s. And when I asked him why, his name was Floyd, he said, you know, John, the reason is I have a lot of friends that retired to that rocking chair. And guess what? It ain't rocking anymore. It was his work, the daily interaction. He didn't work like he did when he was 40 or 50, but he really enjoyed being around the crew, some of which was his family and the things that they achieved. And that became part of his retirement. I know that's, as you said, that's not in the script. It's not what, you know, we're kind of taught. But nonetheless, I, I observe that more and more in today's version of retirement. Well, and I will say that's, it's what I appreciate about the, the work you guys are doing. You're, you're raising the awareness around these ideas because retirement isn't about what you gain because yes, you gain time and you gain some freedom, but it's really about how do you replace what you're losing? Because like your friend was saying, like he likes that social connection. He likes the routine. He likes the mental stimulus. Well, when that stuff goes away, if you don't have a way to replace it, you end up being a retirement zombie. You're just kind of wandering around like, okay, Groundhog's Day doing the same thing over and over. And that's not what people want. And again, this is why, again, kudos to you guys for the work that you're doing because we can fix that. They don't have to waste the first couple of years trying to figure it out on their own. If they're ahead of the curve, have a plan to replace the work identity, fill their times, they're relevant and connected. They're gonna make a better transition, not just be wandering on the beach or making their golf score get worse and worse because they're not happy with it. Robert, I love how you framed replacing what you're losing. I just think that that's such a, an interesting perspective and and so spot on. And some some an interesting uh, take that you had is using the wisdom of ancient philosophers to really improve the thought process around retirement planning. And and again, something that I haven't thought of before, admittedly, 
you know, you talk about using the wisdom of Socrates, the idea that we should question everything. And how does that wisdom and that philosophy apply to retirement planning, in your opinion? I think it's so important because people aren't taught to critically think about retirement. You know, they just kind of, they go into it with these vague assumptions and ideas that, well, it's going to, it's going to be good. I'm going to really enjoy it, but they don't, there's nothing behind it. Like, well, what does that really mean? If you ask people to write down, what does a perfect day and a perfect week look like in retirement? They can write down the perfect day. It's not that hard. You start to write down a perfect week. They start to struggle because they can't, they don't know what they're going to fill all of their time with. And so we really have to start training people to ask themselves these tough questions of really, what does retirement mean? What, what is a good life in retirement? One of my favorite questions to ask is, how will you know if you're winning at retirement? Well, they can't answer it. Most people have no, like, you know how to work, you know, you know, win at work, you know how to win at home with your family, but how do you win at retirement? And that's, again, where, where we can do some solid work about helping people replace their work identity, fill their time, stay relevant and connected, mentally and physically active, express your spiritual beliefs, feel financially secure. The more of those boxes you can check off, the better you're going to be. But again, we have to look at, you know, some, some ways to critically think about this. And what a better way to look back at things like Socrates says, an unexamined life is not worth living or Aristotle talked about uh, good decisions aren't based on numbers, but on knowledge. And so we can really start to use stuff that's thousands of years old and apply it to today's retirement and in the process, help people make a better transition. So Robert, when we think about Socrates saying, question everything, why do you think that idea in particular is so important? And how does it help financial professionals and their clients think differently about retirement planning? it's a huge opportunity especially for a financial professional because you have to have your own philosophy right and you know people are coming to we're, we're trusted experts when people come to a financial advisor and so if we can share our philosophy our ideas our experience that's what they're really looking for people are naturally curious about life and retirement during my workshops and other things one of the most common things on my response form isn't i wish bob would talk more it's always, I wish I would have heard more from other audience members. So they're naturally curious about what other people are thinking and doing. And so as advisors start to critically think about life after work in terms of these non-financial components, they can develop, you know, kind of this philosophy that they can espouse to their clients. And again, because it's not something people have thought a lot about, it has really powerful results. People have these aha moments because they never thought about retirement like that. So advisors can take the, the, the lead, this first step and say, let me think about what this is gonna really look and feel like. Let me write down some client stories. Let me write down some ways they can fill their time, replace their work identity, do these other things. So they're ahead of the curve. They look innovative and proactive instead of being responsive or reactive. So interesting, Robert. And, you know, have you found that that there's a sentiment with the clients and investors that, you know, when it comes time to retire, can't we just be a little bit spontaneous, let it happen, see, see where the wind takes us. All of a sudden we know we don't have to set an alarm clock every day. That's a bit of a sense of relief. We hope that maybe our financial pieces are put together, but you know, can't we just go with the flow a little bit? What would you say to that? You, you know, 
Yes and no. I mean, it really, you know, what people don't think about is, is, is their personality or their style, right? So if you're an extrovert or an introvert, you know, what makes for a successful life in retirement is going to be very different for, for people. And that's why I think like, you can't just always go with the flow. I think you have to, you're, you're better off going into retirement with some general ideas or direction. You know, one of my biggest things is I think that the honeymoon phase is one of the most dangerous phases for clients because they kind of just let things go. And I'm not saying they don't deserve to do that, but if you put your life on hold for three or six months because you're just relaxing and taking it easy, it doesn't automatically come back. So you're not going to maintain those connections at work, or you're not going to be hooked in with your friends or family, or you're not going to be exercising. And so I think as people make the transition, it's really important to have specific goals like, well, and this is, again, where advisors can really be helpful to say, you know what, what are the goals you want to accomplish in the first 30 days of retirement? And what are some goals you want to accomplish in the first year of retirement? That opens up a whole different piece of thoughts and ideas. And again, can you still go with the flow? Yes. Um, you know, but I think if you go into it with some plans, some goals and strategies, it's going to make it a lot easier. And really quick to that point, one of the things that I despise that people say is you need to retire to something. And really what you're saying is postpone your best life until you get to retirement and then you're going to figure it out. Well, guess what? There's no magic dust or motivation when you get there. You're not like, whew, now glad I'm here. Now I'm super motivated to work out. I'm going to eat healthy, spend more time with the family. Psh, this is all easy. That's not how human behavior works. And so when we tell people you have to retire to something, we're saying procrastinate. So you want to retire with something. And so if you start to develop these habits and strategies beforehand, it's easier to continue them rather than just jump on board because it's like a New Year's resolution, right? Every year I'm going to lose weight and save more money than I do for a week. Um, and so retirement is a giant New Year's resolution. Don't put it off. Don't postpone it. Start living your best life now. I think that's interesting, Robert. You know, as I think about all this time that we'll have in retirement, uh, I don't think I think people lose perspective, but it probably wouldn't surprise you to point out that, you know, the biggest difference in how people differ in spending their time pre-retirement versus post-retirement. I love asking this of clients. I'll say, you know, what do you think the biggest difference is? The biggest change in how we spend time? What area? The answer is watching TV. How many of us go, I can't wait till I retire because I really want to watch more TV. But this is what happens when we go in with this spontaneous, let's see what happens and see how it goes. And I think, uh, you know, the word that I like and just wondering how you'd react to it, Robert, is, is that word intentional, being intentional yeah. about whatever it is that, that we're thinking. Your thoughts on that? Oh, spot on. So I think and that's a great term just to be living an intentional retirement to know what you're going into. Um, and to your point, what people don't realize is when you retirement doesn't change who you are, it magnifies who you are, right? And so if when you have downtime, if you sit around, watch TV and, you know, visit the refrigerator every 10 minutes, you're going to do it more. If you worry when you have downtime, you're going to have fewer distractions in retirement. So you're going to worry more. And so I think it's really about exactly what you're talking about is developing this plan. And, and again, you don't have to have every second of the day earmarked out and, and be very specific and volunteer you know, a thousand hours, you don't have to say yes to everything. But I think if you're, you know, just in, to your point intentional, if you just take the time to 
do more than just think about it. Cause that's the other problem I see with people is they've got it all figured out. It's all right up here. Let's put it on paper. Okay. Let's write down some of these things. And this is powerful, even for financial advisors. Again, like if you were to ask you know, a couple, write down what does a perfect day and a perfect week look like, you're going to be surprised um, what the differences of opinions are. And, you know, it's not about marital counseling or fixing that. It's about saying you guys might be seeing some of these things different and it's something you want to start talking about. You know, so again, I think that, again, being intentional, taking the time to not only think about it, question things about retirement, but then start to write it down so that you have a reference point. Because I'll also say that everyone has these amazing ideas before they retire. Right? I'm going to do all this stuff. And then they get there and they forget it all. Um, so if they write it down, it's a lot easier to remember it. But I also think advisors ought to be thinking for themselves about your Socrates words of wisdom, right? Question everything. Because let's face it, we've been trained to approach retirement in a certain way. And sometimes I think we need to question the practices. And to my point earlier, uh, if, if change is inevitable, we may not be. If we don't question everything, we could find ourselves on the outside looking in, right? Well, and that, that's, I think the biggest issue for really what's happening in the financial services industry is it's changing. The new narrative is clients want more than just financial advice. Um, they want some guidance and some direction. They want a sounding board. They don't want a therapist or a counselor. They just want someone with some knowledge experience to you know, expound on some of the things they're thinking and feeling. They want more than just passing on their wealth. They want to pass on their wisdom. And so I think the role is changing. And to your point, if advisors don't start to question, how am I adding value? How am I making a difference? Um, how do I keep this relationship sticky? Because I will tell you, most of my clients, when they come in to talk to me, they know I'm taking care of their money. It's kind of a done. That's what I do. They want to talk about other stuff. And so if you don't develop some of those soft skills and start to see where this trend is going, it's going to be one of those situations you start to lose assets. You're like, oh, maybe I should figure this stuff out. So it is about questioning what the it's not even what the industry is doing. It's what we could be doing. It's a disservice not to do this extra stuff to clients. That makes so much sense, Robert. And I just I wanted to repeat something you said, because I just think it's so powerful that helping clients retire with something, not to something. I just uh, I uh, really struck me and I just felt like it uh, should be repeated. But, you know, if we think about helping financial professionals continue to engage with their clients and add value, as you just mentioned, what would some of the the best practices be from your perspective, if there was one thing uh, using your concept of ancient wisdom that they could implement with say the next client conversation that they have, what would your guidance be? I, I think it's just, you know, developing some bridge questions, some bridge conversations, you know, so asking clients some, some new questions that move away from the dollars and cents of it to, you know, the non-financial. And for example, super low barrier, easy question. Do you think it's time to retire the word retirement? Because a lot of people, I mean, they get mad about the term retirement. They're like, I'm not retired. I'm not done. Don't put me on a shelf. Don't put me out to pasture. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know it was that. But it is an emotional topic. And what you're going to get a sense of when you ask that question, again, is that like, what do they want to not have retirement look like? Because they're going to say they, they want to retire the word retirement. 
but then to say, well, what would you, how would you replace it? What would you replace it with? And again, you're going to hear things like reignitement or rewirement or re-inspirement because they are starting to see this as that next journey. And so I think advisors can really take some simple steps with a question like that. Another question could be, you know, how have, um, how has COVID been a precursor to what retirement may look or feel like for you? So again, that now we're talking about everyday life. Like you're like, because you're now you're going to hear, especially for couples, like, well, I'm going to make sure I'm working part time, so I'm not around my spouse. Like, you're not kidding, but like that they've spent so much time together, they're realizing, hey, maybe there's going to be more to this than us sitting around the house and to John's point watching TV all day together. Um, so I think it's it's just, and again, advisors don't have to become therapists or counselors. We're not. I don't, I don't want to know why you didn't get an allowance when you're 13. Um, we can just be talking about how has COVID been a precursor? Do you want to retire the word retirement? Um, my question earlier, how will you know when you're winning at retirement? Because what happens again, when you ask a question like that, how will you know if you're winning at retirement? They can't answer it. But if you can, you show value, right? That's how you get results. You're like, well, here's how you do it. We have to figure out how are you going to introduce yourself when you retire? Are you going to say you're retired? Or you're going to say, well, I retired from my first career and now I'm working on this. And so it is about helping people work through that stuff. And I think the best practice is just better questions. So, Robert, that's a great takeaway. So really examining the questions we're using, right? Thinking about where they might lead. And again, I, I would advise for folks to take a look at some of your thoughts around the ancient philosophers, right? Sometimes just a simple statement a question everything can kind of stick in our heads remind us over and over again what we should be thinking about on a regular basis robert laura we want to thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today thanks for having me great time and if you're interested in reading robert's article how ancient wisdom can improve your retirement planning visit hartfordfunds.com wisdom again that's hartfordfunds.com slash wisdom. Thanks for listening to the Hartford Funds Human-Centric Investing Podcast. If you'd like to tune in for more episodes, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. And if you'd like to be a guest and share your best ideas for transforming client relationships, email us at guestbooking at hartfordfunds.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.